Welcome to Lasting Truth, a radio ministry of Calvary Chapel, Sweet Hills, in Banning, California, where Pastor Ryan Hussein teaches the entire Word of God, chapter by chapter, verse by verse, giving our listeners the opportunity of receiving the full counsel of God. In today's program, we are studying the book of Romans, chapter 12. Here's Pastor Ryan. Good morning. Turn with me in your Bibles this morning to the book of Romans, chapter 12. Book of Romans, chapter 12. And give me an amen once you are there. I'm so excited about doing the shoe boxes. That's a, that's a blessing. That's a great thing. So, so blessed that we can finally, finally get behind that. And Father, we thank you again this morning for your great love for us, Lord. That, Lord, you pulled us out of darkness, Lord, to know you, to learn from you, to be a part of your family and to receive eternal life through your son, Jesus. We're so grateful. And we pray that everyone here uh, today who, you know, that's a reality for all of us here. And if not, I pray that they would come to know you. Father, as we study your word, we pray that you would open our eyes, that you would speak to our hearts. Lord, your word is living and powerful, sharper than any two-edged sword. And we pray that it would cut the heart in a good way. Lord, soften our hearts. Give us hearts of flesh. Lord, pour out your grace. Even now, may it be all of you and none of me. In Jesus' name we pray and together we say, Amen. All right, Romans chapter 12 will be beginning in verse 3. As you know, the first 11 chapters of Romans dealt with Christian doctrine. Now we are in the practical application portion of the book. And so we learned in the 11 chapters really who we are in Christ, what we have received from the Lord, who we are in Him, what we have in Him, how blessed we are in Him, and now the book of Romans finishes off in the, 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 the next chapters with teaching us, now what do we do about it? How do we live for the Lord? Paul begins chapter 12 with really a huge statement. He says, uh, I beseech you, therefore, brethren, by the mercies of God, that you present your bodies a living sacrifice, wholly acceptable to God, which is your reasonable service. The word therefore takes us to what was priorly said, right? Because of the things that were said before, because of of of, of the blessing spoken of in the previous chapters. Paul is reason, his re, the reasoning for his beseeching is that because God had done these things for you because he has loved us because he has blessed us therefore i beseech you i beseech you therefore brethren by the mercies of god that you present your bodies a living sacrifice well what did god say in the previous chapters there's a few verses that i wrote out for us this morning in romans chapter 6 in verse 17 through 18 it says but god be thanked that though you were slaves of sin, 
yet you obeyed from the heart that form of doctrine to which you were delivered. And having been set free from sin, you became slaves to righteousness. And he'll go on to say we became slaves to God. And so what a beautiful truth that we were lost in darkness, slaves to our sin, but Christ emancipated us by dying for our sins on the cross and rising on the third day. Our faith in him cleans all of our, washes all of our sins away, no longer slaves to sin. In Romans 8 verse 1, Paul says, there is therefore now no condemnation to those who are in Christ Jesus, who do not walk according to the flesh, but according to the Spirit. So now as Christians, having placed our faith in Christ, there's no more guilt, there's no more shame, there's no more guilty conscience. All of our sins have been wiped away and there's no condemnation. Isn't that a blessing? Don't let the devil condemn you. Don't let your own heart condemn you. Christ has not condemned you, but saved you. There's no longer any condemnation to those who are in Christ. In Romans 8.16, Paul would say that the Spirit, the Holy Spirit himself, in verse 16 of, of Romans 8, the Holy Spirit himself bears witness with our spirit that we are children and of children of God, and if children, then heirs, heirs of God, and join heirs with Christ. How beautiful a thing that God, who's the God of the fatherless, would adopt us as his sons and daughters into his family, that one day we're going to receive amazing rewards in heavens, mansions, places that God has set for us. And as we serve the Lord, those things get more and more built up. But the, the fact that we're children of God, he's the God of the fatherless. He knows your heart and mind. And that ministers to a lot of people today, for sure. Those who, who did not grow up with the father, with the mother who cared for them. The Lord is our help. The Lord is the one who is our father. Amen. In Romans 8, 28, Paul writes, and we know that all things work together for good to those who love God, to those who are ca the called according to his purpose. And so that we know as Christians, no matter what trial or hardship we're facing, that all things are being worked together for our good because we love God, because we're called of God. No matter what you're going through, God will somehow Work it out for your spiritual good. Isn't that a blessing? Doesn't that give confidence and joy that no matter what you're dealing with, God's going to see you through and it's going to be for your good. In Romans 8.31, Paul says, if God is for us, who can be against us? I mean, what a tremendous statement. What a tremendous verse, right? No weapon formed against us shall prosper. We have a supernatural defense from God that nothing can touch us. Nothing can hurt us. He's for us. Who can be against us? Who can, who can win against our God, right? The world is crazier than ever. The, the, the Nordic pipeline has been sabotaged. Russia is tripping. Every, the world is what it is, but God is on the throne. And in reality, he's the one that is terrifying. Not all these puppets in the world. Our Lord is terrifying. If we, if you do not know him, he loves you. He desires that you be saved. But if you reject him, like the Bible says, kiss the son, lest he be angry. He's coming to judge. So if God is for us, who can be against us?
And then in verse in Romans 8, 39, it says, Nothing shall be able to separate us from the love of God, which is in Christ Jesus our Lord. His love for us is immeasurable. It will not end. And he delights in us. God takes pleasure in blessing his kids. Don't forget how much of a loving God you have. I, I pray often, Lord, help me to know the depth and the height and the width of your love for me. Someone who grew up without that, that love as a kid, that support, not having a father around at all. That's my prayer. And I've, I've learned to just learn more about just how much he loves me. And I'll never, ever know. But I just, you get an understanding as you pray and say, God, help me to understand your love. Because his love is enough. And that's where he wants his children to be. That he is enough for us, that we're not all emotionally messed up because people don't love us. God loves us. Amen? And so because of these things, I beseech you, therefore, brethren, I urge you, because of all of these wonderful things, I beseech you, I urge you, brethren, by the mercies and compassions of God, that you present your bodies a living sacrifice, holy and acceptable to the Lord. Paul is saying it's only reasonable because of these things that we present ourselves as living sacrifices. You know, God does not make unreasonable demands on us. Think about that. God does not make unreasonable demands on us. How can, how can we come to the table with God and say, I have conditions first for my service for you? I mean, who does that to a king? He's the king. We're his children, his servants. We come to God and we consecrate ourselves we give ourselves fully because he gave himself naked on a cross for our sins yet so many christians have conditions for the king i would serve you but uh, i'm not willing to give up certain things you know for a crust of bread a man will transgress and it's shocking like jesus said you know what would a man give in exchange for his soul you'll be surprised how many christians will not serve the lord because ah they got this thing they still want to do you know why there's things that I get, you know why I restrict myself and gave up things that I still want to do? Because I love God and I love His people. And it ain't about my, my little desires. It's about serving the Lord and loving Him because the end is near. Amen. We are to present ourselves just living sacrifices to Him. My opinion doesn't matter. I'm not bringing conditions to the Lord. What do you want, Lord? Here I am. What do you want? It is only reasonable. It's not an unreasonable demand for him to say, serve me. Give your life for me. Because he gave his life for us. We're not too young. We're not too old. We're not too rich. We're not too poor. We're not too weak. He calls all of us to serve him, to give ourselves for him. It's not unreasonable in the light of what he's done for us. And then in verse 3, Paul says, For I say through the grace given to me, to everyone who is among you, not to think of himself more highly than he ought to think, but to think soberly, as God has dealt to each one a measure of faith. And so here, Paul is continuing to exhort the church to be humble. He's saying this to everyone. Don't have an inflated view of yourself. As Christians, it's an oxymoron for us to think that we're something when we're nothing. Because God has given all of us a measure of faith. Any physical advantages one may have, any physical 
abilities. Any spiritual gift, it comes from God. So it's, it's folly to think that we're something. And I want to add good looks to that. God may have given you good looks. Why? Because, uh, you know, he blessed you. But again, the good looks, the personality, the physical abilities, the spiritual gifts, they all come from him. So why would we ever think we're something? I guess I can preach. He called me to preach, but it's him. It's his gift. It, it isn't mine. It's his. I'm nothing. I'm just a vessel. You see any, and, and that's a, I love Christianity because of that. Remember, you know, high school, you know how it is, the cool kids or this kids or whatever. You come to Christ and all of that's irrelevant. All of that is nonsense to God. He loves us. He looks at the inner man or woman, and we understand as Christian men and women that the blessings we have, the abilities, the, the, the spiritual gifts, they're from him. And Paul is saying we should have a sober mind, meaning that we should, we should think soundly, right? It's like crazy thought to think highly of yourself as a Christian. The body of Christ is mixed with all kinds of different people, with all kinds of intellectual uh differences and IQs and all that, you know what I mean? And like everyone has their gifts and everyone, you know, but what Paul is saying, you need to be involved with one another and not think highly of yourself. Man, I love it when ex-criminals and and cops and judges and ex-criminals and they're all in the church together. It's like, that's fun. That's funny. It's funny, you know, and you have bakers and you have all kinds of crazies. You just, it's just a plethora of Fun people and you know, I just chuckle. He's got a sense of humor. But see, it, it's, it's think lowly, sober minded and, and know that he's called you to be involved. That's why you have whatever gifts he's given you to be involved. It is your reasonable, um, service. Not to think of himself more highly than he ought to think. You know, Paul here, he begins by saying, for I say through the grace given to me. Look at, look at how he even, how he even addresses the churches. Like the authority that I have is by the grace given to me. And here's Paul the apostle, well educated, brought up at the foot of Gamaliel in Jerusalem, educated Sanhedrin leader. He was just the man in that world. And yet Jesus Christ broke that man, humbled him. And he became a humble man, usable to the Lord. And here as an apostle, before he instructs, he says, I'm only instructing you by the grace of God given to me. I'm only an apostle because of the grace of God. And that's a humble heart. That is a humble. He acknowledges that he's nothing, but it is the grace of God that has made him an apostle. Uh, Paul, in 1 Corinthians chapter 15, verse 9 through 10, he says, For I am the least of the apostles, who am not worthy to even be called an apostle, because I persecuted the church of God. But by the grace of God, I am what I am. And his grace toward me was not in vain. But I labored more abundantly than they all, yet not I, but the grace of God, which was in me, which was with me. And so Paul the apostle acknowledges, and I'm the least of the apostles i'm a nobody because i persecuted the church but yet i labored more than they all out of all the apostles paul is saying i did more than them 
But it wasn't me, it was the grace of God. The grace of God is the power, it's the love, it's the soundness of mind, it's the power of the Holy Spirit, it's the giftings. God empowered Paul, and he did all of these things, but it wasn't him, it was the grace of God. And so if you want God to use you for great things, you must understand that it's only through humility and having a sober mind concerning yourself. Humility. Andrew Murray, in his great book, Humility, he defined humility as this. Humility is full dependency on God. And he, and pride, which is the worst sin in the Bible, is pride. Pride is self-sufficiency. Self-sufficiency. I don't really need God that much. I'm good. That's self-sufficiency. Lucifer, when he was kicked out of heaven and a third of the angels with him, he was a beautiful angel. And rather than saying, Lord, thank you, and worshiping God, he wanted to take God's job. So the Lord cast down Lucifer and a third of the angels. Why? Because they became self-sufficient, independent of God. That's pride. And that sin, that seed of pride is all over the world. And we must guard, we must guard ourselves from that pride because nothing good can come of it. And God cannot do a mighty work in our lives if we're prideful and we think we're somebody. And you might not be so rude as to say, look at me, I'm conceited, I, I'm arrogant, I think I'm somebody. You may not be that rude. Of course, we're not going to be, no one likes that, that guy or gal. But you know how you say the same by your actions? By saying you love God, you believe in Jesus, but you don't go to church. By saying you love God, you love Jesus, but you don't read your Bible. That you love God and you love Jesus, but you don't pray. That you love God and you love Jesus, but you don't fellowship. You love God, you love Jesus, but you're bringing conditions for servants, for servanthood. All of that stuff is self-life, and that's pride, and that's arrogance, and you're not fully dependent on God. It is our reasonable service that we present ourselves with no conditions. You, you died for me, I am yours. Like Paul said in Galatians 2.20, I no longer live. I have been crucified with the Lord. All of these conditions... When the Holy Spirit is there to give us power and strength to yield our lives completely to God. In Proverbs chapter 3, verse 34, it says, God resists the proud, but he gives grace to the humble, or he scorns the scornful, but he gives grace to the humble. What it means is that when God sees us being prideful, he resists us. You ever fight against God? It's a lose-lose, man, all day long. So whatever your, your, our plans are in life, whatever goals, like I would like, I would like this blessing. I would like this, this. If you're not living for God, it's a big fat no. It's a no. And if you do get it by chance, it, you, you won't enjoy it. God loves you too much. He wants us to come back to the flock, to be in fellowship, to serve him, to follow him, to not make excuses to not serve him. Time is, is, is near. He is coming soon. He resists the proud, but he gives grace to the humble. Why did he give so much grace to Paul? Because he humbled himself before God. So if you want God's grace in your life, you want more blessings, then humble yourself to the king without conditions. Frankly, our conditions are just, it's an oxymoron. He's a king. He's a king. The king gets what the king wants from us. Because the king died for us. He earned it. He earned every penny of our lives. And James, when he talks about humility, he says, repent. 
Humble yourself. Draw near to God. You know, mourn over your sin. Mourn over what? Mourn over doing your own life. And stop saying you love Jesus. The Bible says love without hypocrisy. If you love him, do what he says. That's what he said, not me. Don't get mad at me. That's what he said. If you love me, keep my commandments. Verse 4. For as we have many members in one body, but all the members do not have the same function, so we being many are one body in Christ and individually members of one another, having then gifts differing according to the grace that is given to us, let us use them. And so here Paul makes a comparison between the human body and all of its parts, right? All of its parts, right? You got, we have fingers, we have toes, we have feet, we have legs, we have arms, we have a back, we have a head, whatever, eyes, ears, nose. The human body, he says the church is that way. As our bodies, our members, our human parts are, are meant to serve the body, us. The church is the same way. Many members, different spiritual gifts, all called to serve the head, which is Christ. He is the head of the body. The church is referred to as the body of Christ. It has many members, just like your body has many parts. It has many members, and he has given gifts to all of us. And Paul says, God through Paul says, then use them. Then use them. In 1 Corinthians chapter 12, verses 4 through 11, Paul writes, there are diversities of gifts, but the same Spirit. There are differences of ministries, but the same Lord. And there are diversities of activities, but it is the same God who works all in all. But the manifestation of the Spirit is given to each one for the profit of all. For to one is given the word of wisdom through the Spirit, to another the word of knowledge through the same Spirit, to another faith by the same Spirit, to another gifts of healings by the same Spirit, to another the working of miracles, to another prophecy, to another discerning of spirits, to another different kinds of tongues, to another the interpretation of tongues. But one and the same Spirit works all these things, distributing to each one individually as He, God, wills. He's given us gifts so that we can use them. And he mentions some of those in 1 Corinthians 12. In Ephesians 4.11, he does the same thing. And he, that is God, himself gave some to be apostles, some prophets, some evangelists, and some pastors and teachers for the equipping of the saints, for the work of the ministry, for the edifying of the body of Christ, till we all come to the unity of the faith and of the knowledge of the Son of God, to a perfect man, to the measure of the stature of the fullness of Christ. And so God is saying to all of us, he's given us gifts, we are to use them. And when we use our gifts, when we participate in what church is supposed to be, a working, functioning body, a family, that's what church is. Church isn't just coming in and out. The rest of the world does that. You know the traditions we came from. People go in and out. They don't talk to nobody. They live how they want to live the rest of their life. And they've, then they say they believe in Jesus. The same old thing that people say. No, if you believe in him, you have given your life to him by faith. And these gifts he's given to us. And here Paul says to use them. He says, having then gifts differing according to the grace that is given to us, let us use them. If prophecy, let us prophesy in the proportion to our faith. So God has given us all a proportion of faith. And prophecy, it speaks of the of 
preaching or speaking the word of God prophetically into people's lives. As you study the word, as God speaks to your heart through his word, that word will be in your heart and on your tongue. And for just the perfect time, somebody will, he'll bring somebody close to you that you're able to share in your relationships. And that word is perfect. It's a word of, of prophecy to that person. And the Lord is saying, use it to the faith that, uh, the proportion of faith that was given to you. And then he says, or ministry, let us use it in our ministering. That word ministering means to serve, right? The position of a minister is not to be a rock star celebrity minister or to be a, you know, these, these pastors that fleece the flock and have private jets and everything else with it. We're supposed to be servants, slaves. That's my calling to be your servant, that's what I'm here to do. Not to be lifted up above people. But in minute, but when you do service to the Lord, serve him with the faith that was given to you. He who exhorts in exhortation. To exhort is to encourage somebody, to urge them to do something better. Like they may be messing up, slacking off. You know, that, that brotherly, sisterly, you know, pat on the back encouragement to do the right thing exhortation which should happen in our thank you for joining us today at lasting truth radio if you're in the area come out and join us for sunday services at 8 30 a.m and at 10 30 a.m or wednesday evenings at 7 p.m we are located at 3035 west nicollet street in banning california you can also find us on youtube or instagram if you would like to donate to our program, please do so on our website at ccsweethills.org and hit the online giving tab. We hope you will continue to tune in as we journey through the entire Word of God with the teaching of Pastor Ryan Hussein at Calvary Chapel, Sweet Hills. We adore.